Matt and Aaron, thank you very much. You know, as I considered preparing for this morning, I was reminded when I was a kid uh, in our vacation Bible school, we used to sing a song called Untold Millions. Does anybody remember that song or sing it as a kid? There's a great little green and white uh, visual aid that you used. Listen to the words of that song, and I think it might bring back memories for many of us. Untold millions are still untold. Untold millions are outside the fold. Who will tell them of Jesus' love and the heavenly mansions awaiting above? Jesus died on Calvary to save each one from sin. Now he calls to you and me to go and bring them in for many. I think that's an appropriate description of our hearts this morning as we come before you and invite you to pray for us as we participate in this service and in the ministry this summer. This is our missions commissioning service. We're anxious to support those who have been set apart to serve the Lord abroad this summer. Today we want to recognize these students and affirm their hearts as they prepare to go out. It's been a year of sacrifice, challenges, and intensive training for each of them, requiring growth in their faith. I'm extremely proud of these students, and as you'll have a chance to see them in a few moments, uh, there have been tremendous sacrifices made on their part. Some of you want to go to the beach, or you want to go down and, and have some fun in different ways, and they've said no. I have to go to foreign missions prep class. Uh, I have a fundraiser. Uh, I have a paper, a country report that's due. And they've set aside a lot of personal opportunities for fun, for involvement, uh, to really focus and prepare themselves. Some of the topics that we've studied this semester have included uh, how to uh, approach your church, how to invite people to support you in finances and prayer, cross-cultural communication, what is culture shock, how do you survive it successfully, How do you come back and be a successful witness after your trip? We have talked about uh, how to work with missionaries and the nationals. We are talking about uh, how to pack your suitcases and take all the things that you may need that may not be available uh, many thousand miles from here. Uh, We will be talking about travel safety, issues of terrorism. Uh, We have studied evangelism, and I believe that you will find in your friends uh, some of the best-equipped summer missionaries uh, that are available. And this is the heart of the program at the Master's College. We're not about exposure trips. We're not about just the personal experience that a student may have, but we're about an actual contribution to the work of the kingdom. We're going alongside, and we want to be as equipped as possible. We don't want to be a distraction from these dear missionaries who have so much to do. But we want, at the close of a trip, for them to say, when can you come back? We need people like you. And I think if that is the words that these teams hear at the end of their summer, they can have confidence that the Lord himself would say, well done. Their commitment is to represent Christ, their home churches, as well as TMC, uh, in a life of purity and truth. And I think this is represented as well in some who've gone before us. Listen to these quotes describing the heart of a missionary. Nate Saint, familiar to us, wrote this, I would rather die now than to live a life of, of uh, excuse me, to live a life of oblivious ease in so sick a world. Elizabeth Freeman wrote, I hope you will be a missionary wherever your lot is cast. For it makes but little difference after all where we spend these few fleeting years, if they are only spent for the glory of God. Be assured there is nothing else worth living for. Exclamation mark. Adoniram Jetson wrote this The motto of every missionary, whether preacher, printer, or schoolmaster, ought to be Devoted for life. And finally, Nicholas Ludwig Zinzendorf, Count Zinzendorf, 
who was very influential with the Moravians in uh, charting new courses for missionaries, wrote this, I have but one passion. It is he. It is he alone. The world is the field, and the field is the world. And henceforth, that country shall be my home where I can be most used in winning souls for Christ. The term commission refers to a formal warrant granting the power to perform various acts or duties. We recognize this term. Other definitions include giving the authority to act for, in behalf of, or in place of another. And a final definition would be entrusting one to serve as an agent for another. In secular terms, we recognize this term. It's used in uh, military or foreign uh, service activities, such as an officer receiving his orders or an ambassador representing the U.S., we think in the world of art, uh, in architecture, someone commissions a project. Hopefully that will embody the ideals of the benefactor. There's a work to be done. Christ himself commissioned us to be ambassadors. His agents representing himself abroad. His very words are our marching orders. Listen to his commission presented in the following familiar passages. Matthew chapter 28 says this, verses 19 through 20. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Gospel to all creation. He who has believed and has been baptized shall be saved, but he who has disbelieved shall be condemned. Luke writes in chapter 24, verses 46 through 47, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and rise again from the dead the third day, and that repentance for forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all the nations beginning from Jerusalem. And John writes this, quoting Christ, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And we pick up in the first chapter of the book of Acts. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and even to the remotest part of the earth. The rest of the New Testament is simply a narrative of how the church attempted to live out their commission as examples for us. We learn much from them. The Apostle Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 5-6, through 6, For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus our Lord and ourselves as, our, as your bondservants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, Let light shall shine out of darkness, is the one who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ Jesus. And finally, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 19 through 20, he writes, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were entreating through us. We understand that Christ came to seek and save the lost. We understand that he lived his life before men, raised up 12 specific disciples, becoming apostles. He gave his commission before he ascended. And it's our task to carry on uh, that very commission. And that's what we are here to celebrate this morning. Not only do these students serve as representatives of Christ abroad, but also of their church communities who are supporting them in spirit through prayers and finances. There's a hymn written by a missionary named David Livingston Ives. He gleaned his uh, name from the historical figure. This, this hymn is entitled Commissioned, and listen to the third verse. Go, oh quickly go and tell them of my death on Calvary's tree. Lead them to the cleansing fountain, 
flowing still, so full and free. Tell them of that glorious morning when I left the empty tomb, conquering death for them forever. Tell them I'm coming soon. Sacred trust, O blessed privilege, theme befitting angel voice, yet to me the trust is given. O my soul, rejoice, rejoice, when the God of all creation bids me go his love to tell, not in earth or hell can stay me. Home and friends and all, farewell. We also believe that these students who are going out this summer represent our community here. The faculty, staff, roommates, friends, study partners, uh, your resident assistants, RDs, we're all behind them as they go and represent us as they represent Christ as well. So it's appropriate that we should stand with them and behind them, acknowledging that they're being sent out from our midst. At this time, I want to invite them to join me on the stage. I just invite them to come on up to my left and to right and kind of flow down even in the area up here. Listen for a moment to where we're going this summer. It's exciting. American Samoa, it's our first time to go there. We're going to Japan, New Zealand, England, Scotland, Ireland, Austria, Bosnia, Germany, Italy, Eastern Russia, India, Morocco, Ethiopia, and Brazil. Not to mention all the places a plane might touch down in between here and there. Uh, We are excited about the opportunity to go abroad. As these students come, I want to say a special word of thanks to my partner uh, working alongside me this year behind the scenes, Mr. Dan Vanderbile. He's been a great friend, and if it were not for him, I don't believe we would have as strong a missions program as we do this summer. So, Dan, thanks for your help. Yeah, you can thank him. I'd appreciate that. Now, I tell these students, wherever you go, you're going to end up singing. So we're going to break them in this morning, and uh, we're going to give them a chance to sing for you a song that I think is very appropriate and reflects our heart, and I'm sure yours as well. It's called, Oh, Four Thousand Tongues.
All right. That's a fun song. Great message. We're going to spend some time praying for these students before they go out in just a moment, but I want to mention one thing to you. They're expecting your support and prayer through the course of the summer, and to facilitate that, we create a bookmark that you can stick in your Bible this summer. When you go to have your quiet times, you can look at the teams when they're out. It includes each team member's name, the dates, and the location of their trip. We're going to pass those out as you leave chapel today. Please pick one up, circle your friends' names especially, and join with us in this endeavor. At this time, I've asked Betty Price, a veteran of our summer missions program, someone who believes in what we do uh, from firsthand experience, to come and pray for these teams specifically as they go out. Betty? Mark also asked me if I would take a few minutes and um, share with you a little bit about why um, I would want to encourage you all to be prayer partners of all these folks who are up here on the stage. Um, They're going to need your prayers, and they're going to want your prayers, and they don't even begin to know exactly how, and it'll be different for every one of the teams. But as I thought about the couple of summers I spent in Russia with some of our students, a couple of summers in the Ukraine, and some of the other trips I've had the privilege to go on with our students, Um, I wanted to tell you a little bit about one of the trips where I was made most aware of the fact that we needed people at home praying for us. And that was in the summer of 1990 when we um, went to Russia. And you'll know that that was one of the first years that the country was really beginning to open up. And as we came to the end of our six weeks there and came back to Warsaw, Poland, to spend a week together kind of debriefing our experience in southern Russia, we... One of the things that we did that week was to begin to talk to each other about all the ways that God had provided for us and all the ways that he had protected us and all that he had done for us, the doors he had opened for us to be able to share with people. And we began to make a really long list of things that we were really, really grateful for. And I want to just mention a few of those kinds of things to you. Um, One of the first things that happened to us was when we were in Warsaw getting ready to take a 30-hour train ride into Russia, We got to the lobby of this building. It was kind of a a sports dorm that we were staying in, and we got there the night that this bus had been paid for long in advance to come and pick up 28 of us. Um, Ten of us were from Masters, and the rest were people. It was a trip that InterVarsity had done. And so here we were with all of our luggage, 28 people. Each person had two pieces of luggage, plus we had some electronic equipment that we were taking to the university in Russia as part of a payment to them for our program. So we had a lot of baggage that we were carrying with us, and we got in the lobby and waited for this bus that had been arranged for long in advance to come and pick us up, and basically that bus never showed up. And at that point in time in Warsaw, you can't just pick up a phone and call and order another bus or order taxis. There was going to be no way for us to get to the train station to make our train connection. And finally, our leader said, just everybody go get in small groups and pray because we don't know what we're going to do. This will be the end of our trip right here. And so we got in small groups, huddled around our luggage, and began to pray. And two of the guys went out on the curb about a block away, and they prayed sitting out on the curb. And when they finished praying and they raised up their eyes, um, all of a sudden there was an empty city bus in Warsaw that came driving by. And the bus driver had just gotten off work, and he was either taking the bus home for the night or taking it back where it was supposed to spend the night. And they flagged him down, and they paid him money, and he loaded up all our stuff and got us to the train station just in time. 
second thing that happened was here we were. We had a few minutes to wait. Our train pulled in. They had warned us that the train would be there only 15 minutes. We had 15 minutes to get 28 people and about 60 pieces of luggage plus all the extra electronic equipment. So we had strategized for how we were as fast as we could. We were going to get all this stuff on the train. Some people ran inside and opened the windows, and some of the windows wouldn't open so that we could put things through the windows. So we were rushing as fast as we could. The woman, the Russian woman who was the attendant on the train was really mad at us for some reason, and she was yelling at us and pushing us, and we were falling down over our luggage, and we are desperately trying to get on this train. And all of a sudden, one of our kids yelled and said, somebody took my money. And then somebody else said, my wallet's missing. And as we finally got on the train and it was pulling out of the station, we realized that there had been a band of pickpockets waiting in the aisle of the train, um, realizing our group was very distracted with a lot of different things. And they got away with some traveler's checks and somebody's credit card and a few other things. The next thing that happened to us is on this train ride into Russia is the day before we were to leave, our intervarsity leaders had realized in comparing our visas with our train tickets that somebody at the very beginning of setting all this up had mixed up something, and we were actually going to be crossing the border into Russia one day before our visas were going to be valid. And that became a very frightening thing because they really felt like they would take that very seriously and that there was a possibility that when we got to the border that they would pull all 28 of us off the train at that point and not let us get back on the train until the next day. The problem was we knew that it was going to be approximately two months before there would be 28 spaces together on one train. And so if they had pulled us off at the border, what it would have meant was that they would have put us back on the train one or two or three people at a time. So that became a great concern for safety for people. It became a concern for how long somebody would have to wait at the train station in Russia for us to arrive, that we would have missed our plane connection for our next leg of the journey. Uh, <clears throat> we, we prayed constantly until we had crossed the border. It was interesting when the border officials came through and looked at every single visa, they never raised a question about a one of our visas. The interesting thing was because of a late plane, we missed our train on the way back, and so our visas were wrong by one day on the way back, and they created a major problem with every one of 28 people on the way back. So we knew it wasn't just that somehow that wasn't serious to them or they had overlooked it. Um, Another thing that we felt like God had answered our prayers in providing for us was that um, traffic there, sometimes I think traffic in L.A. is crazy, but it was so much crazier there. And there were at least two or three times where we felt like with runaway cars that somebody on our team literally grabbed somebody else and snatched them out of the way of a car that they could have been seriously injured um, or even killed. Another issue that we had was people on our team getting sick. At one point, we had 16 out of 28 people with the worst stomach flu or food poisoning that you could ever imagine. And we were trying to take care of everybody and concerned. And then our greater concern became the local officials, because they didn't want the Americans to die in their university dorm, um, kept wanting to come and provide for us medically. And we had been warned by somebody there that their needles might not be sterile. And... So we, we spent a lot of our time not only trying to take care of sick people, but hide them when the ambulances came <laughs> so that we wouldn't get injections from unsterile needles. At the end of that trip, as we talked about our personal relationships with each other, we found out that two of the guys on our team um, 
had something had happened the very first week that we were all together as a team and they had gotten upset with each other. And when we were on the six-week debriefing back in Warsaw, one of them admitted that for the entire six weeks that those two guys had not spoken to each other. We were able to get them together and help them to be reconciled before we came home. But it made me very much aware of just team issues, the need for team unity. Sometimes we struggled with things like jealousy and self-pity like we had never struggled with here at home before. And one of the wildest answers to prayer that we had on that trip, if somebody had told me that God would have worked a great answer to prayer through McDonald's in Moscow, I never would have believed it. Um, But it was a very interesting way that God worked. Because on the way back, our plane was late, and we we flew into Moscow too late to be able to get over to the train station and make our train. So we had to spend the night in Moscow, and that was a real nightmare when there were no arrangements made in advance to find a place to even sleep, 28 people. It took hours and hours and hours of driving back and forth between different government offices to try to make those arrangements. Um, But what happened was that the issue became food and providing for the team because we had missed our... um, our train and had to stay there wasn't at least at that point in time there wasn't some place where you could just take 28 people or even divide up in small groups and go to a restaurant and make sure you could get a meal for everybody you could the many of the store shelves were empty you couldn't walk in the store and know that you would just be able to buy food for 28 people to take on a train so we we're very much in danger of having our entire team go three days without food and we were really concerned about what to do about that it would never have occurred to us to go to McDonald's and ask for help except that in the year previous to our trip, somebody, and we have to this day not been able to figure out who that was, some man who was somehow connected with McDonald's of Canada, which does the McDonald's in Moscow or with that whole business, had either called or come personally here to Masters and had said, I'm a Christian, I'm connected with this. If any of your teams are in Moscow this summer and somebody needs to have lunch or they want to come by and say hi to another Christian, just have them come by McDonald's in Moscow. So on this day, some of the other leaders on this trip knew that we, they thought we had a connection, which we really never had because we never found this guy. But that morning as we're heading for the train station, we um, pleaded with this bus driver who said he only had a few minutes. He had to get us to the train station and leave and go to another job. And we pleaded, please let us stop at McDonald's and see what we can figure out, if we can get any food at all. And finally he said, okay, you have 15 minutes. And so he let three of us off at the corner and we ran two blocks to McDonald's while he found a place to park the bus for 15 minutes. And we went in, and we kept trying to talk to him about, we know somebody, and we have this connection. We never could figure out who it was. And finally, they just said, well, you know, what is it you need? And we said, well, we've got almost 30 Americans, and most of them college students, and we're going to have to go three days without food. Is there any way that you can help us? And this was real early in the morning. They weren't even open for business at that point. The side door was open for their employees to come through. And so the gal said, um, she said, well, you know, three weeks ago we opened this delivery service. And so we're delivering food to the American Embassy and the American TV networks that are here. And so we were, like, really shocked by this. And finally we said, you mean that if we gave you an order right now that before our train leaves in three hours you could bring food to the train station for us? And she said, oh, sure, what would you like? And she starts writing on her pad. And, again, when we finally got our voices back, we didn't know how much to ask for. Because finally, um, we're thinking, you really can't deliver food for, like, almost 30 people. And she's like, sure, what would you like? And so the guy with us finally said, well, almost 30 people, three days without food. How about 90 Big Macs? And she's like, okay, fine, what else would you like? (laughs) And... 
when we finally gave our order and paid our money and went back to the bus, all our students on the bus were looking at us come back in to be handed, but it was a wonderful thrill to be able to say to them, McDonald's is going to deliver to us at the train station in an hour or so. And we weren't sure at that point yet that that was going to happen. But sure enough, a little over an hour later, we looked up, and here came this gal with a guy carrying all this giant box with all these 90 Big Macs. And we lined our students up, and they started getting the food. And other people at the train station started lining up, too, because they wanted (laughs) McDonald's. We had to explain. All of those kinds of things that we needed prayer for were really only that we could survive and deal with those things so that we would be able to share the gospel with people. And that, even more than anything else, was what we wanted prayer for. Um, I remember a time on a train we gave a Bible to the gal who'd been an attendant for us on about a 25-hour train ride. And she looked at it, and she opened it up and realized it was a Russian-language Bible, and she began to cry. She said, I've never in my whole life seen one of these. She said, do you realize that we can't even buy one of these in our country? Another time, we took a gal to church with us, and we only knew a little bit of Russian, and she didn't know any English, and we couldn't converse a lot. But as soon as she got on the bus on the way to church, we handed her a Russian-language Bible. And she, when she realized what it was, she sat down on the bus, she opened it up at Genesis 1-1 and read until we got off the bus. I think she felt like we were maybe going to take it back at the end of the, the bus ride. She, we didn't know, she didn't realize we were giving it to her to keep. There, there was a Russian language teacher who taught, um, taught us every day, and she was kind of administrating the whole trip. And she was working with another American group, and whenever she would leave that university group and get on our bus, she'd say, oh, your group is so different. Yeah, I, what is it that's so different about your group? And she would say, sing me that song that makes me feel peace in my soul. And we were singing um, a lot that summer, You Are My Hiding Place. And every time she'd get on her bus, she'd want us to sing that for her. We had the opportunity with every single one of the 20 Russian students that our 20 American students were roommates with in the Russian dorm that summer to be able to share the gospel with them. Um, It wasn't until about two weeks after our trip that we found out that one of them, the Muslim student that didn't speak any English, that our students had spent hours and hours and hours doing translation for and making sure that he heard the gospel, um, that he had made a commitment to Christ even after we had left. When I talked to a gal last night on the phone who was a part of that trip, one of our graduates from a few years ago, she said, every time I think about that trip, I have a really warm place in my heart in spite of all the things that were so difficult. It was one of the best experiences that I ever had. And she said, we planted so much seed in so many people's lives that summer that I often wonder who I'm going to meet when I get to heaven, that we don't know that they got saved, but that since that time that they've come to know the Lord and we're going to meet them for the first time in heaven. At the end of that trip, as we were back in Warsaw debriefing the whole thing and making a list of all these ways that God had provided for us and given us opportunities to share, I began to be really struck by how many people might be praying for us. And I went to every single one of the 28 people on our team and asked them, how many people do you know absolutely for sure back at home? are Not just that they said, oh, yeah, I'll pray for you, but that they made a commitment to you. They would pray for you every single day of this trip. And I began for each one of the 28 of us to write down the people. And some would say, oh, this friend and that friend. And some would say, well, you know, my church has, at that meeting I was at, there were 30 people. And every one of them promised that every single day that they would pray for us. And as I began to to keep this list, I stopped counting at the point that for the 28 of us, there were 1,300 people 
who had made a commitment that every single day of that six weeks that we were gone that they would pray for us. And and for all the things that we had gone through and all the marvelous ways that God had answered prayer, became very, very much aware of how much there is a need for you and I who are going to be here at home this summer and not overseas with these teams to be praying for them. I think that their number one prayer request would be um, what Paul also asked for for himself in Ephesians 6:19, And pray on my behalf that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel. Would you, in thinking about um, the needs of these teams and the desires that they have to share, would you bow with me right now and let's pray for them? Father, we do bow before you right now, and we worship you. We are privileged to know you. And, Father, thank you for the desire that you've put in all of our hearts to want to share you with want to tell them about you and what you can do for them. Father, right now we thank you for um, each person who's a part of the teams going out this summer, for each one of these people who's on stage today and maybe some who are going with these teams who aren't able to be here right now, but we pray for all of them. Father, we continue to pray for their preparation right now, for visas and passports, for airline tickets, Um, For some of them who are getting immunizations that maybe don't make them feel so well for a couple of days, we pray for them in all of these ways of preparation that they need to to finish. Father, we pray for them in regard to their finances. Um, This is the time of year when they're waiting to know if you're going to provide all that's needed in terms of the finances for them to be able to go on these trips. And some of them are probably looking at what's come in and are a little discouraged at this point. And, Father, we would continue to pray with them that um, for those that you are for certain want to go, that you would provide that and that you would continue to bring in those provisions in answer to their prayers. Father, we pray for those who are students who are seeking to complete their schoolwork for this semester and are feeling the stresses of doing that as well as being in the class and doing all the preparation and the team meetings. And we pray for them that you would help them in spite of um, so much that's going on, to be able to finish strong. Father, we would pray for protection and for safety for them in so many ways that they may need it this summer that we don't even begin to know about. But, Lord, we ask that your hand would be on them and that you would protect them. Father, we pray for their team unity, both now and while they're um, in their different places of ministry. We pray, Lord, that... um, that you would help them that when there are difficulties and struggles and misunderstandings or hurt feelings, that they would be quick to come to each other and talk to each other and seek to resolve those things. We pray, Lord, that they would be sensitive to each other in the times of stress and that they would pray for each other and encourage one another. Father, we pray for those who may struggle with homesickness or with loneliness this summer, and we pray, Lord, that you would minister to them in those special times and that they would find close fellowship with those who are on their teams. Father, we pray for, um, for their spiritual strength and for their personal communion with you, even though on these trips it's often difficult to find time alone and away from other people. We pray that they might be diligent to find ways to spend time alone with you or to shut everything out even if they can't be physically away and that they would be dependent on you for what you would do in and through them this summer. 
And, Father, we do pray that um, for them that there would truly be opportunities to share the gospel, that they would not be so caught up in the periphery kinds of things, but that they would continue to prepare their hearts and to be available and to be bold in taking advantage of those opportunities. We pray, Lord, there would be people that they would share the full gospel with. Lord, we would certainly desire that people would come to know you this summer. But most of all, we pray that everybody on these trips would be faithful and that your seed and your truth would be planted in the hearts of many. And, Father, we also, more than even these specific requests, we desire that you would be honored and glorified, even if you don't answer these requests in exactly the ways that we would be praying them this summer. We pray that that you would be honored through each one of these people that you're sending out this summer. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Realizing that we all join together and realize that our our life goal is to serve as missionaries and to be commissioned, I've asked uh, our Senior Vice President, Joe Davis, to come and extend a prayer for all of us. So, uh, Joe, would you come at this time? You know, I think all of us probably know someone who is so good at praying that in a corporate time like this, we just kind of sink into just listening and enjoying you just feel like they have a direct line to God. Um, but, you know, I want to invite you to, to not do that this morning. Uh, I would like you to be very active. I'd like, you, I'd like to lead you in prayer. And, and I'd like you maybe to even feel free to take a note. Uh, because um, we just listened to Betty explain to us how important prayer is. And that the miracles that really must take place for these people up on the platform here can very de- uh, directly relate to our our diligence to pray. So I would just ask you to be very active in this in this prayer time, and and some of the things are are going to be perhaps uh, uh, redundant from Betty's prayer. But uh, I just ask you to join me in that way at this time. Lord, we just um, we come to you so privileged. The fact that we we get to serve uh, the Creator of all the heavens and the earth, the one who actually created this earth that that our our teams are going to be scattered all over this summer. Lord, we just praise you for all of your attributes, and uh, we just think about the fact that. You're absolutely omniscient. You know everything. You have, at this moment, a conscious awareness of everything that's ever happened, is or or will happen. Lord, we're so far in our comprehension from you in understanding how that could even be possible. Yet, at the same time, we're so close to you in, in spirit in as much as the Holy Spirit resides right inside of us. What an incredible dichotomy for us to contemplate. Lord, we just thank you for this special opportunity that these these students are going to have to respond to the Great Commission. Lord, that's for all of us, but this is a special opportunity for which we're thankful. Lord, I just thank you for the preparation that's taken place and especially for 
for Mark how diligent he's been to organize and share his experience and his wisdom. And to the extent that all, all the preparations have been made to uh, really optimize this experience so that they can be really effective in reaching their goals. Lord, we thank you for donors who've given sacrificially. Lord, I thank you for the institutional focus of our college that really makes missions a priority. Lord, I thank you for the stretching and the growing that's going to take place. Now, Lord, we would be so bold as just to ask you in very specific terms for some very specific things. Lord, for support that still is needed. Things like a good job immediately when they get home. Some of these students may be sacrificing next semester if that job isn't there. We just pray for that. Lord, we just pray for the, the student on the stage this morning who may be dealing with the fact that they have parents who are not at all supportive of this trip. Lord, just give them all the courage and the wisdom to deal with that. Lord, there are health issues. There may be, there may be some who, uh, who may not even get to go because of health. Or there may be some who struggle with health the whole time. So we just ask that you would, you would supply their needs, protect them, and, and give them what it takes to deal with that. Lord, there may be some that still yet have not overcome the, the anxiety that's only natural, especially after we listen to uh, Betty's testimony. This doesn't always just have a nice, smooth, even flow. In fact, seldom does it ever. So we would just pray that, uh, that, that those who need to can turn their anxiousness into trust. Lord, for, for relationships and team building, Lord, if there are those things which need to be reconciled, we would just pray that that would take place before they go, even today. And for those who may have some unconfessed and undealt with sin in their lives, Lord, it's so easy for us to sin so privately that no one knows except you and us as individuals. Yet we know that it just absolutely takes the power out of our testimony and out of our work and our efforts. And we would just, we would just pray that no one would be uh, on their way to the trip still allowing uh, that private sin to pervade their lives. Lord, for all the technicalities of foreign travel, for visas, for uh, all the cultural mistakes that we would make just because uh, it's so different from the way we live, we would just pray that you would help us to, to adapt quickly when those strange and unusual things happen to us. 
Lord, maybe the most important part of this prayer time is for each of us in this room to com- commit to continued prayer support. Um, help us to be part of that 1,300 or whatever the number is that will pray for this team every day. And then, Lord, for all those unnamed needs, both large and small, we hold those up to you. And then we would pray, Lord, for prepared hearts, those who will be the recipients of the ministry of our teams. Lord, for those who uh, will hear about you for the first time, or at least take you seriously for the first time, we just pray that that the uh, the gospel will fall on ears that will hear and for hearts that will respond. And for those other Christians that they meet, that they will be encouraged so that they know better how to walk with you on a daily basis. Now, Lord, for all those changes that you're going to make and all the molding that you're going to to do in these lives, we just thank you and we just hold this all up to you in your Son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for joining with us today. Uh, I invite you to stand and on your way out, pick up a bookmark and pray for these students this summer. You're dismissed.